0: Welcome to the New England Take in WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. Be sure to check out nhtalkradio.com to get the back episodes of the show, and New England Take on Facebook and Twitter, posting the videos, all the episodes as podcasts, you know the deal. You've been listening to the show. This week, I am uh, honored to be wel- honored to welcome Anthony Payton, who is a uh, columnist at the Granite State uh, Media Collaborative. I've had various journalists from that organization, including uh, Paul Kuno Booth, on a couple weeks ago to talk about uh, some investigative journalism he was doing, and uh, in, if you look in the back catalog, uh, Melanie Plenda, who runs the group, uh, was on the show talking about the uh, what the organization does, which is really exciting, but. Uh, uh, today Anthony welcome so much
1: oh thank you man I'm honored to be here AJ man I love what you guys do we love your podcast
0: man thank you appreciate it and <clears throat> mm-hmm. I I it was interesting checking out what you're doing. the uh, the The media collaborative does all sorts of different things, from investigative oh, journalism and uh, just just general news reporting around the state. But mm-hmm. you do something a little bit different. It feels like it was like when I'm reading your 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 articles, it's it has more of a the human perspective to it instead of just going through the numbers. Like this, the, this lawsuit went through the courts, and this police <laughs> officer did something. I like was right. talking to Paul yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. You, you bring the human perspective to right. reporting from the outlet. Is that something you'd agree with?
1: Yes, that's a fair statement. Uh, Paul and those guys, like he's, Paul just hit a home run with some of that stuff he did. And uh, Johnny Bassett as well, man. Yeah. You know, Nor, there's such a great, you know, Nor this is such a great collective of people. And of course, Melanie, um, it's just a beautiful mine is more, um, I'm giving a narrative, you know, I'm, I'm narrating things. I'm um, speaking from the heart. Outlining situations and bringing, trying to find that common ground between you know groups of people here in New Hampshire. So,
0: and I think that's very important. I tend to go down the uh, the numbers rabbit hole. I can, uh, and my wife would laugh at me from the other room for hearing me say this. Like I can, I can lean a little apathetic when it goes through the news. But when Mm -hmm. when you hear these uh, these personal stories of people that are on the ground uh like you you recently you wrote about the um the homeless encampment being shut Mm -hmm. down in manchester last year which is a fantastic article and people that Mm -hmm. were involved with that Mm -hmm. um it, it really drives home what's going on in your community in a different way than just looking at the stats
1: right absolutely and and uh so you know to turn sometimes we turn stereotypes on its head you know and that's always a good thing to do is that you remember people, any group of people, you know, we aren't a monolith, you know, there's diversity amongst us. And um, I think my first one that Melanie, she said, I want that was uh I took a trip to new to uh the Walmart and Hooksit. it. And I ran across a white guy, he was in a store, he had on ripped jeans, some dirty boots, and a t-shirt, and uh and he had an open carry gun. And how the hell the heck he gets, I don't know how he wound up in uh Walmart, but he got in there. I believe they're cool. But anyway, he was, you know, gave me the eye and I gave him the, you know, the universal head nod, which is, you know, acknowledgement. But, you know, I'll stand my ground. And uh, at the time, DMX just died. And he turns, he looks at me, he says, wow, that's terrible what happened to DMX. So he caught me off guard with that. And I could have took it offensively. You know, what do you think? I love hip hop. I mean, I could have showed him my music catalog, which is, you know, very diverse. But then he started talking about underground features that DMX was in. Like, this guy really knew what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. And when I first looked at him, I said, proud boy member. I said, uh, you know, far right, you know, the alt right, you know, and uh, I thought he had a four by four truck in the parking lot with 30 American flags on it. And uh, he started talking about DMX. And then uh, we had a great conversation, actually. Then he, then we got out of each other's eye shot, getting to the parking lot. He doesn't have a four by four. He has a sedan. And the it was someone helping him with the bags into the sedan i don't know where she came from but she was a black woman so which was clearly his significant other so he like completely turned everything i thought about him upside down and i think that happens to a lot of us on a daily basis that we you know we pigeonhole and, and block people in you know rather outright or implicit you know sometimes it's just you no know, biases stick and, and they come and they go and uh, um that's what i try to do is just try to flip it on his head if it's
0: there yeah it's It's interesting considering modern times what the goal of the internet and having as much many media outlets as we have out there. In theory, the goal from the early internet investors was this is going to open the world up so that people could see other perspectives easier, they can um, maybe... Maybe think outside of what's what is going on in their little bubble around them. But it's with everything that's going on in the world, the media outlets became very polarized. Politics became extremely polarized. Society didn't. uh, We've had so many issues in the economy and everything and wars over the last uh, 22 years here that that promise never really came to fruition which leads to people people not getting outside of it in many ways we've had tremendous improvements obviously since the civil rights movement and everything Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. but i feel like we've kind of stalled out over the last 10 to 20 years
1: right definitely um i I believe i don't want to quote a line from the godfather but i believe in america you know you know know, I i really believe in this potential um what it could be you know, it has an ugly history, of course. You know that. You know, it's still uh, common threads of it that show it rear its head today. There's still effects ripple down, effects that you know um, exist today. But you know, it's a great place and it's a great country. But I believe that it can be a lot better. Mm-hmm. You know, um, especially for a civilized, developed country. You know, and supposedly civil civilized, you know, developed country. Um, so it's just you know, building those uh, bridges one of the most i think the highest rated uh the highest rated column that i had was on black people and patriotism and my father was a vietnam vet and i had a brother in the navy and i had countless friends who didn't come back when they went overseas to fight and some came back missing arms and legs and things like that and um we have our own, we are Patriot. Like I tend to say that, uh, the far right kind of hijacked the definition of patriotism. You know, you can't hijack patriotism. You can't hijack the American flag. Um, so those are two things that I spoke of. And it's like, I'm allowed to have my grievances. And if a football player kneels for the flag, like, so what, like it's, you know, that's him voicing his opinion. And, you know we can't tie it to a, a cloth that we you know pledge allegiance to you know we have to think bigger than that so um it's just finding those little common grounds man and trying to unite people you know
0: yeah the culture war totally just ate up so much of uh just what what people view in in the news and the economy and politics and everything and it, it's counterproductive mm-hmm. i i lean quite conservative when it comes to many things very oh, yeah. Yeah, very mm-hmm. libertarian on, on many subjects um mm-hmm. i get called a free stater even though i'm not a free stater <laughs> <laughs> right um but it, like i i work at a college mm-hmm. it, like i work in the university system is my full-time job i make no secret about it the podcast mm-hmm. i produce for them on law news is broadcast here on kxl and um it, it's I feel it's it's good for the university that I'm there with my perspectives, which are very different from the people I work with. And on the right. other hand, I feel it's very important that uh, I got Buzz Schur on my show, who has, is qu- quite left-wing libertarian, so mm-hmm. this is the way I do it. <laughs> And mm-hmm. talking about bail reform and right. the importance of what's going on with there, he was on the show this week with Ross Connolly from Americans for Prosperity. You don't get mm. more libertarian than <laughs> that group. Yeah. Right. I, I like Ross; he's great. But it's yeah. they they have an agenda, and right. it's it, I think the more people that have different perspectives and is best.
1: Right, and you know you have a unique voice on um, what you just said. You know that's refreshing to hear. And you know I'm I'm similar in that way to whereas you know I believe in bipartisanship I believe in you know that unity. You have to cross the aisle. I don't. I'm not far on the left, and I'm not far on the right. I don't mind speaking politics in my beliefs. Like you know, there's like you said, there's things on the left. You know, marry who you want to marry if you want to. You know, so long as there's not any you know children or animals or anything like that.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> you know, you want to smoke pot, knock yourself out. You know, um, so that's where I go. But when it comes to our military and certain things like that, I kind of, you know, you know, turn to the right a little bit. You know, I want us to be shored up the right way and, you know, take care of our, you know, our people, you know, um, on American soil. Um, that's not to say, you know, forget everyone else. But I think that, you know, we have to have a pecking order set up as well. So there's little things um, like that that I, I, I believe and hold firm to. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. Your perspective with regards to the far right hijacking patriotism is is, is totally true, and it, it's it, it really hurts our country to be unified in any way. It, and yeah. It's extremely sad. Like I like I'll talk. Politics with people on Twitter and Facebook, which I know is a horrible idea. You don't want to no. do that ever, but it it, it entertains me occasionally. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm daily talking.
1: Caller. I'm, I'm known on Daily Caller. <laughs> yeah. The uh,
0: but but I talk to them, I bring up nationalism versus globalism, and all of a sudden, mm. oh, you're you're an anti semite. I'm like, <laughs> what, 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 he's talking it's like we're, we hear about the Great Reset and everything and things going on in Davos. I'm like. They wrote books about this. This has nothing to do with ethnicity. It's yeah, right, like this right. is the perspective of these people that these billionaires that run so much of the world, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, no, you know, you, you hit it right on the head, man. And um, social media is like a slippery slope to you know, and it draws you in, like AJ. I know what you mean, it draws you in, man. I'll see something on my feed. I say, let me address this, and I'm at work. I look at my phone. I have 18, you know, Facebook alerts, something like, "Oh, why did what I did even I say do? anything? Yeah, what did I do?" So, um, then is then you know, then you you're, you're in a keyboard war, mm-hmm. and um, it's not produ- so, well. Let me say something. Sometimes it is a bit. Pro- I've made, I have about four people on my Facebook list that was on, you know, um, different like right wing type of things that I went in and you know had a little uh you know light them up a little bit and you know and see different perspectives and you know I actually got friend requests sent from them so those are stories those are the, the good parts of it you know as you know it it can be productive in some uh in some ways but you know
0: what are some in some of your stories that, that you've written or you've done actually should promote also uh, the Common Ground Initiative is a podcast you also produce and mm-hmm. is, your, your articles are also considered part of that series also. Right. Um, actually, before we dive into specific stories, what describe uh, what, what the series is and oh, well, uh, what got it going.
1: It is. Um, it's actually the audio component to the writing. And I have to give a shout out to the Marlon Fitzwater center for communication with franklin pierce uh dr you know kristen Nevius. um right now we have alexander wentworth who's um doing the audio i just recorded actually something um with grace kendeke from the afsc and um we were talking about the african immigrants when they come over you know versus the quote unquote you know black americans and that dynamic and that mistrust and that you know that unity and that all lack thereof um, so it's just the audio component. We're starting to do a question and answer segment um, as a as a podcast as well. So it's we're, we're definitely developing and growing. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Melanie, I'll, I'll actually start with Carol Robidoux from Manchester Inkling. She's the one that gave me the, you know. Um, so I just actually won the um, podcast of the year and columnist of the year. Um, and, you know, if I had to, you know, build a Mount Rushmore of women who got me here, it, you know, Carol and Melanie would be two of those faces on it, you know, so uh, it's just a, and uh, Dr. Chris is just a beautiful thing. So that's what the podcast is in, in, in general.
0: Uh, congratulations well, on that for sure. And I, I'm i an alum of Franklin Pierce University and I uh, knew, knew Dr. Nevius for the entirety while I was over there in the radio yeah. station and TV station. I went yeah. to the Republican <laughs> National Convention with her and leading yeah. the student journalism team. It's it's a fantastic program over there. Oh,
1: my God. Yeah, those people are so beautiful. I went out there with uh, my oldest uh, stepson, Terrell Witted, and uh, we did something on the LGBTQ community. I think it was the first live audio in the Marlinford that we did. Um, so it was it was a great thing.
0: Man. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think a lot of that stuff's on collaborativenh.gov. If anyone's looking, yes, it, or .org. Definitely. I'm sorry to yeah. if you want to check that out. Because mm-hmm. uh, I actually watched uh, the first half of that, in addition to uh, the first couple episodes of the Common Ground Initiative podcast, mm-hmm. which which you do a great job with. It's. um it reminds me of like a like a short form audiobook kind of style that you can kind of take in the story. It's mm. uh, you you do a really good job with uh, your narr- narration on it and everything. Oh,
1: great, man! Uh, thank you. And you know, I try to be as open as I, you know, I talk about my background as well. Um, you know, unapologetically. You know, especially where I'm at now in life. We just started a nonprofit called the Boss Initiative. I don't want to jump too far ahead. But um, it's the BOSS Initiative, which is an acronym for Beating Yards and Striving for Success. And with that, I have Anthony Harris with me, who a lot of people in Manchester know as he ran for alderman. And, um, you know, a couple of great men, my brother, Chris Antonio Maben. um, We have a a nice board of directors being built out. And we want to help those men and women that are getting released back into society also. So incarceration is a real thing. It's a real population that uh, people should be rooting for, you know, because I am... um, I am that guy that you want to see. You would hope that a guy a man, man or a woman walk out of prison and follow the uh, footsteps. And while they're in there, they recalibrate and, you know, focus on the things that are important and, you know, take those chances and leaps of faith, you know, and get into it. So, you know, it's just a big thing that we have going on.
0: Right? Can uh, you give some examples of the work you've you've done with the uh, Boss Initiative?
1: We're just we're just branching out. We're trying to get um, set up with the pilot program, and we're going to have some individuals who are coming from um, incarceration have them set up, and that good old peer to peer um, counseling, Mm -hmm. you know, and letting them see Anthony and I and my brother Chris and Antonio Maben and where we've come. I kind of do that on the side. I I worked at a uh, fast food restaurant and there was this kid in there and he was just like left and right, back and forth, in and out. And, you know, I gave him a few talks, man. And right now he's doing well. He's about to go back to college, you know, and it's just like little things. Anthony does that on on a daily basis with different people, Anthony Harrison. So now we're going to have it organized and structured. And, uh, you know, we're at that point now where we're just like ready to dot the I's and cross the T's and, and take it to the next level
0: you know that's fantastic mentorship 100% is is so important for anyone that's in a place where they need to decide what they're going to do with the future in their lives, how they're going to succeed. I mean, working in higher ed, I mean, the the importance of internships, residencies, getting out into the field and, <laughs> and finding people, actually getting, getting experience, interacting with others. Right. And, and it goes on the personal side, too. I mean, yeah. I couldn't imagine just in my life experiences, just in general, going to prison. This never happened to me. Right. I, I, I've never had that experience. But just picturing Uh what that would be coming out, odds are your life's in shambles to a certain extent with regards Uh to what you're going to do with the future, finding a job, Uh rebuilding relationships with people that you most likely didn't have a connection to or new relationships that you need to then develop when you're out of prison is it's huge. And it must be just a monumental task for those people.
1: And I'll tell you, in my situation, I, my mother died while I was in the New York state prison over 30, maybe 30 years ago. Wow. We're coming up on 30 years. Uh, my father died in 2017 while I was in the federal prison. And as he was dying, my daughter was being born, you know, so it was a it was a hell of a time to miss out on a cycle of life, you know, and the walk out from nearly seven years. And my dad is gone, but my daughter's here and it was her sonogram picture that I took, her ultrasound picture hung on the wall in my cell. Mm-hmm. You know, three days after I was arrested, my, uh, my then fiance told me that she missed her time of the month. Uh, another day after I called home, she said, look, I'm pregnant. And I just said, this can't be this can't be real. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was October of 2013. The number one song in the country was Happy by Pharrell Williams. And I was the saddest man in the building. And it's like my daughter's being born right now, and I'm in, you know, just in this deep dark abyss. But it was her picture and her development and growth that kept me, you know, sane and focused. And back with, and uh, kept me out of prison politics, at least on this go around. And back to boss, it's like what I did in there was I locked in and focused. I did culinary arts, and I stayed in the kitchen for most of my time. My brother Chris walked out of there with his master's degree. And now he just graduated Columbia not too long ago with another master's degree. So it can be done. You know, and uh we're working with Dr. Chris Matthews of an SNHU, who's helping uh he has Project AIM that is putting putting college inside of prisons and which has been shown to reduce the recidivism rate. You know, education and learning how to handle economics helps bring the recidivism rate down, you know.
0: The, that's amazing, and to to see you rebound and it just seems like you're you're doing some amazing things. We're going to be continuing off into a, another segment here, but I want to give you a quick uh, chance to uh, promote where people can check out what you're doing, Anthony Payton of the uh, Grand City News Collaborative.
1: You can go to org slash Common Ground Initiative. On our podcast, it is on Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, um, and you can find it on the Common Ground Initiative as well.
0: CollaborativeNH.org also, if you want to get anything else from the Granite State News Collaborative. I've had various reporters as well as their director, Melanie Clenda oh, on the show before, right. who, who's amazing, is doing so All much right. for the state. And right. it obviously is helping you along here with your projects, which is great to see. Right. You're, you're listening to the New England Take right here on WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this with Anthony Payton. Welcome back to the New England Take on WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kearse. Check out nhtalkradio.com to get the back episodes of the show, as well as the rest of our fantastic programming, like Beyond Politics, and get our broadcast schedule, which is uh, very full of all sorts of stuff, so definitely check it out. Continuing my conversation here with Anthony Payton of the Granite State News Collaborative. He's got a podcast called the Common Ground Initiative, and we've been talking about his uh, various articles that he's been writing about in his journey. Uh, It's been really interesting. Welcome back to segment two yeah
1: thanks great to be here man
0: so let's talk about your stories that you've been Mm -hmm. you've been writing about and talking about on on the podcast and such i mean how do you do you find them seems a lot of them are uh at least the more recent ones are centered around the situation in manchester
1: right and people around me um it's not very very hard to you know to find a um A story I think that will resonate with people, at least not in my opinion. Um, I look at things through the eyes of a writer. Uh, One that I wrote for Carol that actually got picked up by the Grand State News Collaborative was called uh, "Domesticated Cat." And every day I went to work, you know, um, on a corner here on Maple, there was a uh, a cat that was always looking out of the window, and he was watching the squirrels run past left and right, you know. And I considered, I drew the parallel to myself and my dad. To where I am now, it's like you know I don't need the thrill of what's out there on the streets, you know I'm I'm more than comfortable being indoors. You know I have an eight-year-old daughter now. Like I said, that you know she's over the last two years she's been she's been getting to know me, and I'm building a relationship with her. So I don't need the thrill of, of chasing squirrels out on the on the road. I'm happy looking out the window at it, you know. Um, so those are just uh that's just one of the things that I have viewed and um also i wrote one where i was speaking to like the young black youth in particular it can be you know for all youth for the young black youth on how we need to um how they need to um you just make certain moves and um change the way you know like i keep saying recalibrate you know in a little bit of, of a different way on how they move forward i think things are getting a lot better than it was in the inner city than when i was raised um i was raised in a very hyper masculine environment that had one of the highest homicide rates in the country you know at that time and uh things are definitely getting a little bit better um entrepreneurship and you know um just uh you know college rates are, are going up so there is a bright side to it but it was just those little nudges and things like that and um those are just a couple of my most recent ones we're working on episode 10 now so we're about uh, 10 deep. And I also address black hair.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I listened to that. That was a great episode.
1: Right. Which a lot of people, you know, don't know about are uh, insensitive to when, Like, you know, wow, I didn't know it was that big of a deal, you know, that big of a situation within a black community. And, you and, know, and, and, and it is. And I'm glad to be that uh, conduit between people who don't know. You know, and look, here's come into this conversation, you know, join it with us because you may have a black friend who you don't know that you're um offending. You know, I had a, i used to go up to North Conway and I used to be in a car and you know, I have friends up there who little nieces you know, jump on me, hey Uncle Tony, you know, and they're little blonde haired, blue eyed girls and their dads who are my like really friends with me, and we'd be in a conversation and like, hey, yeah, the colored guy. And I'm like, the what?
0: <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> what the
1: what? <laughs> but you know, like we're like in 1961 or something. We like adjust are
0: phrasing a little bit.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, and they don't know, you know, they're like, wow, I didn't know that. That I'm like, you know, you, you know, it's um, it's it's, it's borderline, you know, it's but little things like that. You know yeah. and uh even with ourselves you know I try to pick it up on myself I have a bunch of friends who you know call a white guy a white boy and I'm like wait you know I've been around some white guys that are pretty upset you know if you hear that they hear you you know so it's just um you know trying to bridge those gaps and finding those stories and You know shaping it and putting it out there to where it resonates with 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 everyone you should be able to find something in the story that can identify you can identify with so
0: yeah and and they're great and i I think there there's this misconception around writing about uh smaller communities especially in white new england where they got to be this this woke politically motivated kind of just forced narrative which (sighs) i don't get that at all from your writing it's it, it's honest it's like you're telling yeah. the stories of individuals like these are people that are in our community like right. I, I live in concord uh, mm-hmm. we're broadcasting in manchester like the there's huge populations of people that come from indian community uh, immigrants from india for example there's a ton of individuals from that Pakistan uh Mm -hmm. there's um there's tons of African immigrants but there's Mm -hmm. also this uh this black community that is integral to especially in Manchester Mm -hmm. that is it it shouldn't be forgotten it's I mean how do you find that balance between um telling the story and the the kind of political narrative you see in the mainstream media or does that not concern you whatsoever it
1: it, I, I try not to um let it have any impact. Um, again, I'm I'm unapologetic about it, but I have to maintain that balance of I don't want to run anyone away. Yeah, you know my my I don't want to run anyone away at the same time. So you know, when we talk about diversity and everything, that's everyone. Mm-hmm. You know that diversity, and yes, definitely the BIPOC community in a state that's ninety something percent, you know, uh, white or Caucasian, definitely, you know, we're going to be addressing the BIPOC community, but I don't want to um, alienate. They might be white allies. There's white, like I said, and I said that in one of my um, pieces, I was like, I also kind of want to be a voice. Like There's well-intentioned, good-hearted, allied white people who might want to ask, hey, why is it that, you know, that gangster rap is the, you know, is the, <laughs> why is that? You know, so, and, you know, they can't ask that question, at least out in, public, you know, they'll be viewed a certain way and understandably because, you know, of, you know, the country's history and what have you. But, you know, those are questions that a lot of people want to know. Um, and I just want to make sure that I'm balanced enough to where I can be a voice for the BIPOC community. And at the same time, like I said, bring in those people who are watching from the outside, like, wow, I didn't know this. or I would like to know more about this. You know, so those are some of the things I keep in mind.
0: So what's the situation in Manchester generally speaking in, in your opinion? How long have you first of all, how long have you been in uh that that part of the state?
1: Um off and on since maybe oh seven. I oh, you know, I caught the um the incarceration, okay. so I was for a segment, but back off and on since oh seven. Interesting. So
0: mm-hmm. what's the how would you say the city's doing for for the the basically for my shows what I always talk I talk to Jeff Feingold over at the New Hampshire business oh, I love I'm hearing Jeff. about what's going on with business and right. build up over <laughs> at the mills and all yeah. the amazing housing that's going on over there right. uh, then on the other hand I spoke to Johnny Bassett about his invisible walls project oh my project god been that doing, was- which was like holy crap (laughs) there's a whole other side of this that this the state and especially the city government of manchester really needs to be informed in and what to do as Mm -hmm. someone who lives is, is lived there for that span of time i mean do you feel like there's there's change happening is it harder for individuals that 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 live there and aren't just commuting out every night
1: right definitely no johnny's thing johnny hit a home run with that as well um because I live in that, that quote unquote zone, yeah. you know, um, and redlining was is a phrase that you heard back in the sixties and all that, but I, I figured that it was still kind of happening to it. it Might've be like, you know, veiled and another name for it or whatever, but, um, progress is very, it's, it's slow, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, manicured lawns. Like I said, I have a friend that lives on, on the north end of Manchester and it's like two different cities, you know, when I go to his house and, that's not all the city's fault. You know, you got landlords and, and things like that as well, um, tenants who need to take more pride in it. But when, you ha- when you're when you in a bubble of a zone, you know, it's very hard to get out of that mentality. You know, so I think that's, that's what, what goes on. Um, the policing is a lot more aggressive, but that's balanced by, you know, like I said, I'm about balance, that's balanced by, well, you know, things are happening. Mm-hmm. So let's see how we can bridge that gap between community and police you know because i have dear friends who are like they don't want to see any police walking around they would rather be community you know and i i I love that idea also but you know you know or miss jackson on the first floor if you know something jumps off miss jackson can't come out with that walker you know on that bad hip you know with her 38 you know like we need like you know at the same time we want our children protected but Mm -hmm. we need that um that unity with everyone. And there's so much, so many beautiful things going on in this city as well. But like I live and I watched it, the park across the street used to be a big prostitution place um, with heroin needles everywhere. They just built a new slide for the kids to get on. You know, there's some improvement, you know, so I'm always looking for the improvement as well. You know, I don't see as many um, prostitutes on this corner in particular, but um, you know, those are a little bit, you know, there's a a few uh, black owned businesses within my radius um that's good to see um and you know it, it's it's i'm seeing you know the bipoc community run for office you know the civic engagement mm-hmm. which is really really big for um troop morale you know it's really really big for troop morale and um building of communities when you see someone like yourself in those all the mac meetings and and the Anthony Harrises of the world who who run for any office that you put in front of them. You know, um, so it's that's 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 great to 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 see. And I think that's helps build communities because you know local and I just I just left a journalism uh, workshop with Naki Loeb and we're talking about local news and local journalism. And like I said, it builds you know, it builds morale. Yeah. you know it helps the community people start to take pride in things you know so it's, it's great and that progress is slow but hopefully we we keep our foot on the gas you know
0: and the having black owners of businesses having these individuals also on in the government enables intergenerational change for sure Absolutely. It, it's because now that guy's or woman's family is part of this business maybe this this business is able to expand over the next Twenty to hundred years, it could mm-hmm. be the next big department franchise or whatever it is. That's, <laughs> right. I mean, that's the building up of the the kind of uh, free spirit of America, where people have this individual liberty to build up. And but it's really hard on the at the beginning of it, and mm-hmm. it, those those first steps are so important to begin to see this change, to change the zoning laws, to change right. the, the the wealth gap in mm-hmm. one community versus another.
1: Yeah, and that's where I think um, people who tend to fall to the right. Of things, if you if you're looking to sway, you you know, if you're looking to sway the BIPOC community, there's a lot of rich guys that are probably in those. I don't know, I don't want to make an assumption, but you know, you know, you have Brady Sullivan Towers there. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of financial institutions here. You know, why not send a few of those guys, those men and women, over to some of the BIPOC, you know, after school places and let them talk finance. Help. Let's let's see if we can help build up generational wealth. You know, be a part of it, you know, and I think once people get involved like that, it helps as well. That's not to say that we need, you know, the great white, um, you know, influence to help, you know, drag a, or you can go to Nigeria and get the richest black guy in the world and bring him over and he can, you know, drop a jewel. But we're in New Hampshire. We're in a 90 something percent state, like I said, and that side if they got more involved with that. You may see a, you know a bit of a sway and change. So.
0: Yeah, definitely. It, it's it's so important to it, – it's really unfortunate seeing this all across the country, the real estate buy-up by the, these <coughs> enormous uh, corporations. That, like I'm not saying that's what's going on at the mill per se at all, but mm-hmm. generally speaking across the country. So now people, it's so hard for people to build that. Kind of like I was saying a minute ago that intergenerational wealth, where they they have property to their name that they can pass on to their kids, or right. the children can sell a, after you pass away and have that money to be able to hopefully improve their their life at in during a very hard time, um, and to just grow up in a more stable situation and you Mm -hmm. don't, if you're moving apartment to apartment, if your parents are having a hard time finding a consistent job, maybe there's divorce in the family, there's other situations whether it's drugs, jail, anything (laughs) like that, it's, you're, you're starting at a really, uh, low really low and you have so many more steps of the ladder to get to to get where so many other people already were I mean that's what my mm. my dad started working in the warehouse and he was grew up poor in Westbrook Maine mm. and worked his way up and uh, got into sales he found his it found a niche that he really enjoyed doing and I got to start the next a few steps above where he had to start off Mm -hmm. with and fight with and i got to go to college and get a Mm four-year degree. first in my immediate family for that and Mm. uh, it's so important to over generations as opposed to just the now
1: right and to actually teach it and to have role models positive role models mean a lot as well there's so many good programs here in, in new and manchester <laughs> now and i'd like to see more but they like you explained, the story of your dad and it was kind of like that with mine but it was more of a warped version because i came in i'm, I'm an anomaly in the fact that i come from a two-parent home mm-hmm. in the projects of brooklyn you know and my dad might have been one of i don't know five dads in the entire like living dads in the entire tenement and uh You know, he, you know, pop was a rolling stone man. I remember counting, he made me count his paycheck and I counted it and he said, you know what you do with money? And I was like, what? He was like, you send these out to bring more back, you know, and that was his rough course on, you know, and that's not like, all right, we invested in the wrong things. But, you know, um, even having that structure because education was stressed in my home. Um, and uh, my younger brother graduated NYU in film, and he just got an Emmy with his crew. Oh wow! And so that's in my blood. And, and even though I traveled the route that I did, um, it was good to have that prototype in front of me, which is, you know, a father or uncle, something, you know, just to, to pattern yourself after, even if you make mistakes, like, okay, this is what I need to get back to this. Yeah, I made some mistakes, but I need to get back to this point of reference right here. Mm-hmm. so you know that that's also important man and that generational wealth as well too We've
0: kind of glossed over this but how did you get into writing like when did you start writing and when did you really when did you come to realize that you're really good at it and that you could uh do something with it,
1: it oh man as a youngster uh i was always a uh, i used to think my imagination as a youngster um so i should be in the screenwriting as well my younger brother always tell me right just write a story write a story but, um, yeah, in school, um, you know, teachers um, throughout one incarceration uh, kept, you know, it was therapeutic. Um, different counselors in there, were, hey, you got something. Uh, got the college, in Manchester Community College, after I got transfer credits and professors, the same thing there. So it's like everywhere I've gone, or everywhere I've tried to write, it was always a, hey, you know, you have something. And i uh, and then on this one, it was just like you know, what, I got to, I got stories to tell, you know, I got to get this. I have stories to tell. I have opinions that people may not hear every day from a person who looks like myself. So maybe we should uh, get it out there. And then that turned to the podcast because I guess people lo- kind of love my voice. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but that turned to that. And uh, but yeah, writing um, writing definitely is, it soothes me. It's therapeutic. You know?
0: What's it feel like? Because you're you're. A lot of the stories are can be either personal or very um, specific to your community and what you're seeing around you and everything. Mm-hmm. What's it feel like when you hit publish on on the, these articles or these podcasts to, to see? Is it stressful? Is it a, kind of a, a release? I mean, how how does it feel?
1: It has a little bit of both. Um, you know, is that rush? You know, if okay, I hope it hits right. You know, and people you know um, could identify with it. I um, hope it resonates. But yeah, that's what it is is a sense of accomplishment, okay, this project's done, put it behind me, move on to the next one. Um and, you know, working with these, you know, these great people at the collaborative has been just like a a lesson. Like every time I, I edit with Melanie is a lesson learned, um, Carol, uh, so many great people over at uh the collaborative, um but yeah, it's that, you know, it's my little you know, small victory the game plan that I set you know when i was sitting in that cell you know or when i was you know sitting on that bunk and uh or coming from the gym or coming from the prison mess hall i'm like okay this is what i need to do you know within my first year out this is what i want to be this is what i can see you know if i continue to do you know stay on that path so it worked itself out man
0: well, well, I'm glad you stuck with it because uh, I feel like you're telling important stories that Thanks. more people need to hear, and uh, especially it, the stories of, of the people in Manchester are very important because right. it, it's our it's our it's our, our our bigger city that we have in a state, so it's where the right. most people are all crammed together, yeah. and it's got it's a microcosm of, of various cultures and. Mm-hmm. Um, It's important for the rest of the state to really know what's going on because the stories, I guarantee, bleed over the similar stories here in Concord and Nashua and uh, Mm -hmm. all all over the place. But thanks Mm -hmm. so much for joining me today. Anthony Payton, where can people check out more from you?
1: CollaborativeNH.org slash Common Ground Initiative. You can also go to Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Check out the Common Ground Initiative. You can find me on Facebook under Anthony Tone Payton.
0: Awesome, definitely sure. subscribe, follow the whole nine yards, everything Anthony's doing. Oh, please! Doing. It's, it, 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 thank you so much for joining me. It's uh, we yeah. dove into a lot of things. I had no idea what we we're going to be talking yeah. about when we went into this. <laughs> so it, it a, yeah, that's the it, best. It is. It's a fascinating, just organic conversation. I I really yeah. appreciate it. This will be available as a podcast if you missed any of it at nhtalkradio.com as well as New England Take Facebook, Twitter, the New England Take on all your favorite podcast form of, of uh, uh, outlets out there. So please subscribe as well as following. Anthony. This has been the New England Take and WKXL. We're going to take a quick break and be right back after this. Welcome back to the New England Take and WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. This is the power round we do at the end of the episode where I got four and a half minutes and I get to either talk about, I usually talk about shows, I talk about all sorts of different things, but (laughs) I, i Anthony I, Peyton here from Grand State News Collaborative. If, if what are some ways you feel like people could be improving their community? That that you're someone that that live, lives in the city. Mm-hmm. Man, New Hampshire as a whole doesn't really consider what that's really like. Like they, they, they for a majority of the population because they live in rural communities. Like I live in a very <clears throat> spread out downtown Concord for the most part. <clears throat> if how do you feel like the, how people can, can improve the situation for uh, poor and lower middle income individuals uh, that, that are in Manchester especially?
1: Right, and there's a guy from a big city, you know, um, you know, I'm a big city boy, and it's, you know, g- g- help out if you're privileged, if you're in a position of privilege, give back a little bit. And that give back can be in a form of mentorship. You want to build a community. You want to build a strong community. It starts at that ground level. You know, um, give a little bit of your time to local um, places. I can't Mm -hmm. think of any, I don't want to jump out there, but I know like um, there's something in the city that I'm going to reach out to these guys called My Turn. Mm -hmm. Um, Those guys are doing great work from what I see from a distance. um, And I plan on reaching out to those guys at some point. Um, You can go to your community PAL league. Um, you know, you see a young kid in there, young kid of person of color, it doesn't matter if he's white or whatever, and you see him, you know, going off track, you know, try to put him back on track. You know, what is it that you can give to this kid? What is it that you can say to this kid that get him back that gets him back on track? Um, civic engagement. Get to know who your congressmen are, your aldermen, and start asking questions. You know, you know, I I'm blessed enough to be like around some good ones. Um but, you know, ask questions and have them ask questions. Hey, ask this question. When is this going to get fixed? When is this going to look a little bit better? We want to start taking pride in our community and things along those lines and um, find that balance with law enforcement. You know, we can't and believe this is coming from me. And like I said, this is this is this is a, I'm, I've evolved. But, you know, we can't be anti-authority. You know, I'm anti bad authority i'm anti-bad cop we should all be anti-bad cop but you know we need to find that balance in that and it was so crazy i remember i was on a zoom and i was talking with someone and i said i remember back and i don't know whose administration it was but the cops would pull up you know, two white cops in a black neighborhood they pull up i don't know what they were doing get out of their cars and start throwing us the football or start shooting hoops with us and then for some with the snap of a finger it went from that to hostility you know, in those neighborhoods. And I don't want to see that out here, you know? So let's keep working, you know, working along in the right ways and uh, just get at these youth, these youth that are going off track, let's get at them.
0: Couldn't agree more with that. Basically everything you said right there, it's <laughs> it's outside of politics. It's outside of the culture war garbage. Mm-hmm. Come together as a community, help those around you. Mm-hmm. Um, frequent businesses that maybe you've never checked out before right. as you're going around to, because mm-hmm. if you're, you could be helping a small business owner that's uh, trying to expand, trying to just keep afloat mm-hmm. and uh, to, to really, you're really helping your own community when you're doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Anthony Payton, collaborative NH.org. One more time. Uh, where can people check out your uh, Twitter and podcast?
1: You go to uh, collaborative NH.org slash common ground initiative you can go to podbean p-o-d-b-e-a-n podbean slash common ground initiative you can find me on facebook on the anthony tone payton you can find me on twitter on the anthony tone payton Um, all my links are on my facebook page so definitely let's link up you have ideas or you're interested in something like let's let's flesh it out and see what we can do
0: Awesome. Thank you so much again, Anthony Payton. This has been the New England Take on WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. We'll be back next week.